Hello and welcome to Satellites of Conversations, an audio series that seeds encounters and conversations between people coming at topics from different perspectives and orientations, many of whom have never met before. The conversations are based on the lockdown online discursive rehearsal process of Satellizer, a dance for the gallery, a durational performance in which artists cooperate to maintain conversations whilst dancing over the course of a day as co-workers. These conversations reflect intimacies across distances that many of us have experienced through the whole of the project. I'm Janine Harrington, a UK-based artist and leader of the Satellizer project across live shows, the podcast series, and an online publication, satellizing.com. You can find more information about me by following at inside.i on Instagram or at janineharrington.com. Satellizer conversations are recorded and edited by Roanne Udall at Siobhan Davies Studios with music composed by Jamie Forth and graphics created by John Philip Sage. The Satellizer Project is produced by Zarina Rosshart and I. This episode hosts a conversation between Amara Rahim and Rosemary Lee, both co-workers in 2020. Amara is a Sri Lankan-born Australian-grown dance artist currently engaged in co-making a residential hub for reparative and speculative practices. Rosemary is a choreographer, director and performer based in London, whose work is characterised by an interest in creating a moving portraiture of individuals and communities in site-specific performance works. In this conversation, they pick up on themes of crafting, making, and movement across generations, countries, and in choreographic practice, how different registers of meaning shift perspectives of value over time. As they speak, they are each also busy making and mending, which is a kind of stand-in for the dancing of Satellizer. Whilst being in conversation over the year, many of us have occupied ourselves in similar ways, as a way to ground our attention, whether through drawing, embroidery or basket making. Amara and Rosie speak from opposite sides of the world, at opposite ends of the day, the beginning of autumn and the beginning of spring. So I'm Rosemary Lee, I'm a choreographer and filmmaker, and I'm based in, in Britain. I'm Amara Rahim, and I am um, dialing in from Jaburam country, which is three and a half hours west of Melbourne, Australia. Um, Jaburang is the indigenous name of the traditional custodians of this land. And I just would like to acknowledge that I am on unceded land. Sovereignty was never ceded in Australia. Mm. Um, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Mm. Um, I'm also a choreographer and I'm a performer, a writer and a researcher. And I'm so um, honored to be in conversation with Rosemary Lee. <laughs> Me too. It goes both ways. And it's lovely to think of our 
voices, so to speak, sort of spinning around the globe to each other. That's really amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. We're yeah. really on the opposite sides of the world. Yeah. Opposite yeah. seasons, opposite time. Yes. Um, Your sky is full of stars and mine is just beginning the day. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible. Exactly. Ooh. So we were going to we were going to stitch together, weren't we, Amara? And I can you hear were. that lovely rustle. Why don't you tell <laughs> us what you're doing? Shall I tell you? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to um I wanted to tell you that I went to a um exhibition yesterday actually at yeah. in uh, at a local gallery. And um the exhibition was called The Th- The Thread of Life and it was um Japanese textiles. And it was particularly uh, investigating or exploring this technique called boro. I hope I've said that right. I think it's boro boro, but it's called boro for short. And it is um, pre-19th century. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a kind of, because materials, you know, there was a time in history when fabric was really rare. Um, And and, and you saved it. You didn't, uh, you know, we are now facing a global kind of, I don't know, what's six million tons a, a year of um, clothes are in landfill or whatever, you know, yeah, that yes, astronomical yes, yes. figure is in terms of how much we consume of, of, mm. of fabric. But but um, it was so precious uh, pre-19th century that it was saved. And this is a technique of darning, but oh, it yes. has become sort of abstract art. I mean, they're so beautiful. They're mostly indigo kind of colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the stitches are, you know, like pure Japanese aesthetic. I mean, mm. they're just so kind of perfect and beautiful and all hand done. But because there's so many different patches and it's darned, it becomes this kind of, um, yeah, I guess it's the aesthetic of the rag. Um, oh, it was so beautiful. <laughs> the aesthetic so beautiful, of Rosie. the rag. I love that. <laughs> now, I think there is the, there is a book, isn't there, called The Thread of Life, which is looking at threads and looking at uh, fabric, just as you say, of, of what a commodity it was. Because I think I can't remember the first thing that would have been um, the first material that would have been a, 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 an extraordinary item because there was leather, obviously, and wool and flax, mm. I guess, and hemp. Mm. I think rope making materials were incredibly important. Uh, and, and then linen, I think, was linen. And then silk, of course, became the luxury. But it is, and of course, cotton mm. and all its history of cultivation. It was mm. just when you think about, as you say, what a commodity um, and how crucial it's been to our kind of evolution. It is extraordinary. And and that the fact that that's a darning, Boru is a, uh, uh, the art of darning. That's exactly what I'm trying to do um, today with my, I'm stitching and your basket making. We'll come back to you, but I'm, what, I'm trying. Yes, tell me, yeah, what, are so you, I have, what are you darning? I have, yeah, I have this beautiful blue linen, actually, um, shirt. And I this cobalt blue, it, it's it, I love it. It's it's in my all my it's in the bathroom and it I collect blue and white plates and so I'm very into royal blue if you like. And I realise I also have a cardigan from that my granny made so that that I wear particularly if I need support. So it's sort of like a mascot almost. It's like 
if I still did auditions, I would go to the audition wearing that cardigan. It's that kind of mm. cardigan. I lost mm. it for a year and I was distraught, <laughs> but, mm. I, but I got it back. It's, um, but it's probably 70 years old because mm. she, I remember her wearing it and she knitted it and it's still going and I've darned it. And so that mm. color blue is important. And this is a shirt that's the same color. And I did wear it a lot, but I didn't like the neckline. It kind of gaped and I was going to sell it on eBay because it's actually quite a nice, nice thing or give it away to a friend. And um, and then I thought, God, I can't part with this colour because it's so I'm darning it. I'm trying to mend it and alter the neckline. Um, but as I got ready for this podcast this morning, Imara, and I woke up and I rushed to go and decide what I was going to stitch with you. And I went and I found uh, this garment and looked for some thread. And as I was looking for thread that would match this particular blue, first of all, I found my mother's, my own collection of threads, then my mother's, mm -hmm. then my grandmother's. And in my grandmother's basket, which is made in the same way that you make baskets, exactly <laughs> the same, with a little lid, uh, when I lifted the lid, I realized that some of the silcos, as we call them there, were so old that they were a different shape and size. The wooden spool was different. I'm going to show you. I know the, our listeners can't. But I think that the very squat little ah. fat spool is probably my great grandmother's. Oh, gosh. So I have a feeling I have a silco and a button collection that spans at least one, two, three, four generations if not more. And, mm. and we've saved each woman through my mother's line um, has saved the threads. Amazing. Isn't it amazing? Wow. And, it, and it reminds me of whenever I sewed with my mum, how long we would take selecting the thread colour. And I'd go yeah. into town again to try and get a better match. We, we mm -hmm. spent ages getting the match and holding it out in the daylight. And mm -hmm. now you wouldn't bother, would you? But then mm -hmm. it was, yeah. So it made me think of this long, how a thread, you know, what a thread symbolizes and, and the threads through my, the ancestors of women in my family who have done exactly what I'm doing this morning. So did you learn to sew from your mum? Yeah. Did she sort of teach you? No. Or was it just she wasn't I wouldn't describe her as a teacher, but, you know, I was a young dancer and um, well, we all were actually I'm one of three girls and there were pantomimes and displays and and she made all the tutus with whalebone. You know, she actually she did them properly. They're proper, proper. So I would watch her doing that in, late in the night <laughs> with my dad grumpy, you know snoring beside us because she used to fit and sew in her bedroom I don't quite know why we were doing it because it was warm there was a fire there mm. so I'd stand mm. in front of the fire um being fitted and into this tutu and she would be making like 11 costumes for me just before Christmas I don't know how she did it I really mm. don't so so I think I kind of and my sisters are much better sewer than me um I'm just sporadic now but yes I guess I guess I picked it up I picked it up from her, but mm. we didn't sit and have sessions. How about you? Did you learn mm. anything from your mother? Um, not not sewing. I mean, mm. I think we were, um, you know, it was very much an aspiring middle class 
sort of family that I came from, mm. where things like sewing in Sri Lanka, you know, it, it it's tailors. You, it's so cheap yes. to get a tailor yes. to, to 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 make your clothes, really. Yeah. And yeah. um, and they're generally interestingly, well, the tailors that I sort of encountered through my mother were men. Yes. It's a it's a male. Uh, yes. It's not that that it's not that they are the ones who are necessarily doing all the stitching, although they know how to. There's a lot of women working for them in their workrooms. But the mm. person that you dealt with, the person that you, the tailor was yeah. often a man. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So I didn't I didn't learn how to stitch because I think we were. You know, I, the things that I do now, like um, stitching or growing my own food or, mm. um, uh, I don't know, basket weaving, my mother's just like, you know, we just worked so hard to bring you to Australia <laughs> and yes. give you this great education <laughs> so that you can learn how to make baskets. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, Gosh. She, I know it's it's very hard for her to understand why I would, you know, it's like, why don't you just buy them? Why don't you, why don't you, you know, and the ones that you buy look so much better than the ones that you make anyway. <laughs> why don't you just, That's like, really, it's, yeah. it's hard for her to, to, you know, I've gone back to this kind of, you know, I want to, don't want to eat food that comes out of packets and I want to make everything like my own kombucha and my own kimchi mm. and, and she's just like, um, they worked so hard for the opposite. They worked so hard to afford to buy things and to um, to outsource so that she, she didn't have to sew and she didn't have to cook. We had servants to do it. And and mm. this was an um, achievement. <laughs> yes. So um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And I, mm. I, I imagine, uh, yes. I don't know. Gosh, it's really that's very, very thought provoking, isn't it? Mm. How we how we we as middle class people we're desiring to go back to to making and to repair. I mean, this is definitely, yeah. I guess I, I grew up with that the wartime mentality from my my mother, who was a child in the war, and obviously her mother would have experienced both wars. So I mm. think that that. Um, that definitely had an effect so that that's yeah that had a, a mm. huge effect and so people had allotments in and and grew their own food because they kind of had to because they were rationed mm. so um mm. I think maybe I've come from a background of that as well uh but yes I'm 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 enjoying because you I'm enjoying the, the request the what's putting it out there to stitch together because I'm kind of fascinated how it can you can you can have communities of people stitching there's something about stitching that does relate to community and I know we thought we might talk about community but first of all mm. we should hear about what you're doing I can hear every so often I hear mm. a beautiful sort of rush like um <laughs> no <laughs> gorgeous sound well, so, it's interesting that you're working with blue because I am, I don't know if you can see that in this light, but it's tomato red, actually, yeah, or lovely. cherry, cherry kind of red. Yeah. And I'm making, a, um, it's it's like a coaster, I suppose, is what it will become, just to sit the teapot on. Um, 
and I'm making it for my partner's mother whose birthday it is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put it in the post and send it to, to Eris who's in Perth um, yeah. uh, because we can't go there in, in yeah. lockdown. But we wouldn't anyway. It's quite a distance. Um, and hopefully she'll, you know, she'll have something to place down her um mug or hot saucepan or Mm. something like this and what I've been stitching kind of or weaving quite recently is I've been really getting into weaving circles Mm. um you know they end up being kind of coasters but also I think of them when I'm making them Rosie I'm just trying Mm. to find one for you that's sort of done here's here's an example lovely yeah um I sort of think of them as mandalas and Uh um I don't know. I've just been really enjoying circles, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm I'm stitching. And one of the interesting things about weaving is learning about colour. Um, mm. Like it, it was fascinating to me hearing you say that, that you spent so much time finding the right coloured thread and the yeah. exact match and then yeah. seeing... One of the things that I noticed with the Boro exhibition was all the threads are white and on a blue, um, you know, that kind of blue-white yes, thing. blue-white, that, I love it, yeah. That, that happens in um, many countries but also Japanese. So the threads are all white. And, um, yeah, I've been really learning about, not in a systematic way, but it's funny how you just absorb colour when you're working with with threads and mm. Um, raffia, which is the material I'm working with. It's a, a, a plant-based um, material. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same this morning as I I, I just, um, um, sorry if you're hearing a ping, um, listeners, I can't seem to switch <laughs> it off. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I emptied the basket of uh, silcos all over the floor and I thought about what those colours might represent. Did they represent clothes that my grandmother wore and colours she loved all her life? Um, And they were greens and teals and blues and colours that I adore. And, Mm. uh, but also just the range, the fact that I still didn't get a blue that matches. I'm not happy Mm. with my thread this morning. Mm. And I had about six to choose from. And the range of colour in the world. And and, uh, I realised that actually for my mood, Colour is massively important. So, mm. you know, I'll, I'll go out for a walk in order to see the colours of flowers or, or the mm. different kinds of greens. Um, mm. And I, as you said, that in many cultures, there's a blue and a white. I thought, mm. now that, that's interesting. That's clouds and sky, isn't it? Or mm. sea and sky or the, the, the mm. water and sky. Um, mm. There may be a reason why there's so much blue and white uh you know in other cultures and you know it's just fascinating and blue of course is the color that we see we well I don't know I'm not a color theorist but I I it there aren't many flowers that are blue there are very few vegetables Mm. there are no leaves so it's and we see it as the color of water but of course water is colorless Mm. we see it as the color of the sky but I don't know where the blue comes from there and lapis lazuli was massively um, rare. So the mm. pigment blue in painting and things was always hugely expensive. Mm. So the medieval Madonnas, for example, with those blues you know, in her robe, maybe mm. it's a sign of kind of 
affluence or rarity I don't know that yeah. her so blue so maybe that's another reason for so much indigo or yeah I don't know I, I have no idea and maybe we should I shouldn't be pontificating in public because I am not <laughs> knowledgeable on this but color feels yeah I, I I feel I feel like it really enriches my experience, my living colour does. It's massively important to me. And do you do you think about colour when you're choreographing performance? Um, yes, but in terms of the costume, and I think about that a lot. So I'll, I do think about the colour of the costume, and I'll obviously talk to the designer about it. And but I'll have very clear ideas about the color that people are wearing or um but not I don't use it as a what's that thing where you can see things in colors like numbers have colors or mm. letters mm. I don't I've forgotten the name of that but I, mm. I don't have that so I it, no I don't have a when I'm making something when I'm choreographing I don't have colors in mind within the sort of mood of the dance it's more the light and the costume how about mm. you Mm. how about you yeah I mean I, I suppose I don't think about it in as straightforward or as obvious a way as when I'm dealing with threat raffia when I'm dealing with color like I I, I do think about it mm. and it is important especially the costume like you say mm. but the costume is not just by itself it's in relation to yes. everything else yes yeah. It's in relation to the space that I'm in. It's yeah. in relationship to something that I'm trying to communicate about because I I perform in a lot of my own work. So it's something that I'm, but in some ways I take on a kind of persona or like, you know, there's a, it's mm. not a character, but there's a, yeah, it, it communicates something yes. or it has a yeah. history or it has a memory or um and it, yes, and also yeah. maybe do you, do do you find that it's something to do with making it? Uh, how can I put this? Because I suppose there are certain colours, for instance, that that would seem uh, very contemporary. So if there's a colour in season or something like that, I actually avoid being too contemporary, so that it has a slightly more timeless quality to yeah. it. So mm. there would be colours I avoided or intensities of color that you can't see shadow in so the colors have got to be um not grab the eye so you just see a mass of color because i want the body to be seen through the color of the costume so if it, if you can't see the variety of light and shade in the color easily if mm. that makes sense in the fold mm. of the fabric as the body moves and mm. i wouldn't choose that and, and equally it would be i'd be really picky about the weight of the fabric so mm. is it going to you know if it looks flimsy is that too yeah does that look too frou-frou or too twee or something uh, for the context mm. and I'm off, often working outside so often we'll like a color or we'll like a shape to get me in the designer but we'll just go no 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 that's like that looks like she's it's more evening it's not the weight of the time of this performance mm. um yeah it's fascinating or it's too blocky and doesn't doesn't show flow enough you know I, I'm, I'm never interested in um costumes that are too tight to the body because I actually want I'm interested in motion 
And I find mm-hmm. that if it's like a unitard or something, you you see shape more clearly, but you don't necessarily see motion more clearly. Whereas mm-hmm. if you've got something with a bit of movement, you're you're being reminded of the of the motion of moving through space. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And That's... and have you ever have you ever choreographed a work where nudity is the costume, where people are naked? I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> have you I thought? Haven't that you like has it come to you like this work needs to be that and then you've decided no or it's never Um, it's never come up for you I'm trying to think back I mean I think it probably did come up at some point and I'm afraid I can't put my finger on it but you saying that makes me think it has come up maybe in the times when I worked more um more in theatres because so much my work now is outdoors uh Mm. So possibly when I was making work for theatre where you could control the light so, so well and in a, such a detailed way, I think I might have considered it then. But I think as I, because I work a lot with um, professionals and non-professionals and different ages and outdoors, it's certainly yeah. gone out of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's probably not yeah. even, yeah, you're probably not even sort of able to in a way. No. No, I don't think I am, but but it but it is uh yeah, that's a really interesting point. Because yeah. I I suppose I brought it up because I worked with I did a project with Xavier Leroy. Do you know Xavier? Mm-hmm. Um, um I don't know him, but yes, I know his work very well. Yeah. 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 And he, you know, we were there were 17 of us in the project temporary title. Um mm-hmm. and we were all naked and um you know, we were told at the, I went to an audition, that's how I got in, but um, we were told at the audition, you know, this, the work is going to require this of you. So we totally understand if if you don't want to or, mm-hmm. or, or, or can't for whatever reason. Um, but just to know that if you stay in the audition and, and, you know, get accepted into the work, then that's a requirement of the project. And um, yeah, it, it was, it, you know, it's a very strong thing. You know, it has a long history. The nude in visual mm. art, it mm. has a, it has such a long history. Um, but it's quite an extraordinary experience, actually, to to work naked um, in a gallery for six hours in a public kind of setting. And um, yeah, I was just thinking about what you said about costumes and. Um, and, and uh, you know, when Xavier was asked, uh, you know, why are the dancers nude? Um, he would say, because nudity is the best costume. <laughs> um, mm. But, I mean, I think he meant for that particular work, not, not per se. That's so interesting, isn't it? Especially after my comment about motion. It's... Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to add. I love clothes, I suppose. And I love the way they are moved by the body. But I love bodies too, of course. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think it is because I'm choosing the way I'm working in the community in a sense. To me, it it, it wouldn't be appropriate or just doesn't fit my aesthetic. Yeah. But Absolutely. that is yeah. so interesting and very brave of you because I'm not sure I could have done that. Yeah, in fact, it, I know I couldn't have done that. Well, it it just I think I was able to do it because it made absolute sense for the context of the work we were taking yeah. from um, 
we were sourcing movement vocabulary from lions. Oh, wow. um, so so oh, in gorgeous. some ways we were sort of becoming, the, the work was all very low to the ground. We never stood up. We never became human, like the biped. Mm. Um, we always stayed very low on all fours or lying. And we took a lot of, like, we weren't pretending to be lions, but all the movement vocabulary came from uh, things that we sort of sourced and understood. And also from plants, that was another, um, mm -hmm. and from machines. And so in many ways, and also because there was so much proximity between us. I mean, it was very. It sounds wonderful. I think, yeah, it was a gorgeous piece of, I mean, what Xavier would say about that when we were rehearsing was that he was trying to create a landscape. And so, um, like an ever shifting landscape. So, and because there were 17, you work also with huge numbers of people, but there's something about a mass of bodies, isn't there? As mm. opposed to one or two or three bodies where yeah. the individual maybe is more present. Yeah. But when there's a whole group and 17 maybe is quite small number for you, mm. but it was in, in these days, it's one of the biggest casts I've ever been in. Yeah. Because, you know, who can afford to make, yeah, how does it how does yes. it happen? Um, yeah, yeah, so so when you see 17 bodies crawling across the floor, I mean what you see almost is a wave of something or and with nudity you see like the the sameness and the difference in each body so clearly. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. It sounds wonderful. Go, I wouldn't mind being a lion, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice thing to be. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. We were we planned to talk about community, hadn't we, or what it meant to us, and and yeah. um, and I had all these thoughts about it, and they're just uh, flying away from me in the in the uh, heat of the moment, so to speak. But um, the stitching theme you know to come back from lions to stitching that's a big leap I can't make any connection there um it'll come to me uh that I I was really aware when I made the piece Passage for Par which has 30 women in it uh, of all ages well from 18 up uh, into 60s um that um uh it was it was performed across a Tidal, tidal beach, huge beach, um, Par uh, Sands in Cornwall as um, part of Groundwork, which was a uh, international visual kind of festival. And the work was placed all over Cornwall. And so this was the only movement piece. And um, the 30 women moved for about a, an hour across the sand very Quite slowly, although actually they were pelting along at times, but it, to your to, to the viewer's eye that is who's sit, sitting on the dunes quite far from them as they go towards the water. Um, they're a really long way away. They're tiny dots. So you see them inching across the sand and they virtually never let go of their hands. And um, they're, so they're sort of woven together themselves. They're mm. stitched together by what their by their steps and by their connection through their fingers and their and their elbows and their hands, and um, it's taken from Breton dancing where you you link little finger 
and you do a, a unison movement with a circling of the arm and a little tiny stepping of the foot and a little bounce in the body so that you, the bounce of your body, this tiny bounce, um, goes right through the line. You, you can feel that sort of pulse. No music, though, so they had to stay together just through feeling. And as we worked on that piece and as the community of those women deepened and uh, really developed into that amazing thing that you get with um, theatre and, and performing arts, this incredible depth of intimacy um, in the community. We were also aware that we were in Cornwall where there was a tradition of knitting and a tradition of stitching. And when I found out what um, Gansies, I think they're called there, and Guernseys and Aaron's all, and Fair Isle, all the different kinds of types of knitting where they come from some of the, the patterns are actually linked to, to tides and to fishing and to nets which of course are sewn as well um, and so suddenly I felt like the women were stitching the land to the sky with their bodies they were stitching each other together and they were wearing jumpers that had cables and pearls and plain knitting all the different knitting stitches they wore those on their bodies as well and they were all in deep indigo they were all in midnight blue so trousers actually fitted costumes there was no flapping around of those costumes so there you go I wanted silhouettes of bodies so I'm I'm uh, yeah that was an exception um and it made me sort of feel the connection between stitching and communities and I know you talked about the, the men as tailors, but certainly in the history of sort of female communities, stitching and embroidery and darning and mending is a sort of can be a communal activity and one shared by women. And um, yeah, I was suddenly very moved by how folk dances and dances is also a kind of stitching. I just, yeah, that's what I thought about when we, when you provoke that nice prov provocation that we would stitch together while we talked. Mm. It feels mm. incredibly, incredibly lovely to be sitting mm. and doing something and talking, you know, in the, in the space where we're sort of choreographers. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, I, I, it's sort of similar to me of when I'm walking and talking with someone, mm -hmm. when there's some, yeah. when there's another, I know we're facing each other, but there are times when you're absorbed in your work or um, there's, I like the fact that there's an, another thing happening. Yeah. And we're not stitching the same thing because we're not in the same place and, but that there's a parallel doing. Um, and that's how I, I really enjoy walking with friends or um, mm. cooking together. That's another thing that, um, mm. that I really love doing with people or, or gardening, like under the apple, you know, when you're weeding under the apple tree. And um, sometimes you have different, quite different conversations as well. Yes. That, but I wanted to... Yeah, go on. Sorry. I just wanted to say, Rosie, that I think that stitching and weaving is really in the domain of, of women 
I think in Sri Lanka and and parts of India, as far as I know, um, the tailor it's something else. It's it, I think a lot of the kinds of stitching that you're talking about, the making of costumes or the making of clothes in the homes, or I think tailoring is a different. Um, it's an industry. It's a. Mm. It's a. It's a. Yes. It's it, it's it's not that kind of incidental labor. Um, yeah. That is that is the kind of stitching that your mother was doing and, and your yeah. grandmother was doing and your great grandmother was doing. It was, um, you know, which is part of the work of the home or, or part of. Um, also, I, I assume in their education that they would have had sewing classes and knitting classes and 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 the men of that generation would not have had that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how the tailors of 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 South Asia developed. I don't know how men came in came into because they can sew. They can sew incredibly well. But um yes, yeah, I, 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 yes. It's a different it's thing. Yeah, it's true. Yes, I agree with you. I can hear chopping. Is that chopping? Chopping yeah. vegetables. <laughs> mix <laughs> mix chop, making chop. dinner. How lovely. It's almost it's dinner time. Oh, yeah. Soon. Soon. Um what was I going to say about that? Uh, walking, the thing you said about walking, you know, now they're saying, aren't they, that um, therapeutic practices are starting to look into walking. So walking with a counsellor or a therapist is, is proving better for some people. And um, I remember my friend and colleague, Graham Miller, he's got, I think he has a term for it, and I'm afraid I'm going to forget it, but it's about the third the third place between mm. two people the third mm. state or the third and um if you think about i i remember so as a child in a car and uh i'd be often in the back because i'd be trying to put on my ballet leotard or something while we rushed from school to class and my mum would be in the front or i'd be sitting next to her putting my hair up and with hair clips and and the, that was my precious time with my mum and it was a because she was caught in the driving, you know, in a in a car. She couldn't go off and do something. Uh, but but mostly because we didn't need to look at each other. We could look forwards to the windscreen, which is, if you like, the third thing. Mm. Uh, and uh, with the wipers and talk about things that we needed to talk about without mm. the embarrassment or the awkwardness of looking at each other. And I think that walking is stitching in a way. Each step is like a stitch somehow, isn't it? And uh, walking together and you're kind of you're covering ground together and you're rhythmically connected together as you walk. But you also, as you say, you're not looking at each other. And this sideways, this sideways relationship is really critical, I think, to... Um, to human kind of to human understanding and communication and behavior and critical to community as well so if you think about a circle that we began with um to form a circle with with people you are side by side mm. and you're looking across but you are side by side and you feel the circle through the sides of you do you know what mm. I mean? So mm. I think the side by side, going alongside someone, being with someone is, um, yeah, it's really, it's really moving. And the women often were side by side as they traveled across the beach, but they, they didn't make cover 
if if I could have done what I really wanted to do, they would have never gone forwards. They they would have always gone gone sideways along, shoulder to shoulder. If you see what I mean. But it, we just couldn't cover ground quick enough. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, mm. But uh, I think there's something in that when you said walking and talking and doing together, and that third thing that is happening in the space between you can allow for things to be said in an easier way or things to come up um, and be broached. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it makes me think also about performance and what you said about the, the women that you were working with. It was all women, was it, on yeah. par? Yeah, yeah, it was, yes. And, and, and just, you know, regardless of gender, just the bonding that happens in yeah. in making performance and the community that's built up. I mean, that's the other thing I think about, um, like this happens in, in a number of, of, of projects that I'm in, yeah. some more than others. But one of the things that really also, um, you know that, you know that when you're sometimes with a group and you're doing a performance together and you're making, you're going through a process and then, you become family somehow like yeah. you yes. you know and even if you don't see them mm. for a long time like you'll never forget them or or yeah. that that i mean and being naked with people yeah goodness and and going through that process together of of um being really close to other people's bodies, skin to yeah. skin. You know, we had to become plants all together, all intertwined, all woven. Yeah, like yeah, we had yeah. this whole kind of root system and then we would become plants and our limbs, like you couldn't tell where one body ended and one other body began. We were all, yeah, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> so hard to imagine in COVID times. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it really connected us and... Um, uh in in it's a it's a very special group it's a i mean i've i've been a you know i think that's one of the best things about being a performing artist is that mm. i've just had such amazing group experiences yeah, absolutely i mean that's why i do it i think it's yeah. i think it absolutely is why i do it more than anything is to do with like creating communities for people so mm. they can have that kind of intimate connection that is that isn't family with the baggage of family mm. that isn't sexual um mm. but that is unbelievably um in the right if it's done right is unbelievably generous supportive and loving in the best possible way and it mm. feels like that i think that is absolutely why i make work that is the prime reason because i think i felt it as a child when i was part of a group um mm. and i wanted people to have that experience and I think mm. some people don't get that so much they'll find other ways to do it but I think sometimes it's not it's not so readily available in their lives mm. as um yeah I, I agree I feel so fortunate um sometimes it feels uh like it can't be in real life but what's real <laughs> <laughs> to me that what you described that's the thing that's real <laughs> maybe that's yeah. where we I don't know what do you think yeah no, the end? <laughs> I, I think well it feels so short I feel like I we've know. I know it's, it's I mean um yeah anyway but I just wanted to just quickly say 
Mm. Um, uh, like what a gift, Rosie. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, because I've been thinking a lot about objects actually recently in a in a process that I've been involved in, and also with the act of weaving and and making these baskets or these circles or these coasters. You know, the practicality. I mean, what I like about stitching and weaving is that it's it becomes practical somehow. Although I'm very interested actually in making more sculptural objects or um, where where the practicality is less clear. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, but but when you just said said that because i think my experience is that because i've worked as a performer and as a choreographer i've made work on myself my experience as a performer is where i've had the group experiences yes rather than the holder or the um initiator of that space mm-hmm. my my work has been to come into a group and then somehow dissolve into that group or assimilate or, or, you know, like follow as well as have agency and uh, individuality and authorship. Mm. Mm. Um, Yeah. So it's, 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 I, I just want to say, you know, I just really recognize that, the creation of that circle that mm. you have been doing as a choreographer in that way mm. um, is an object and that it's such a, such a, um, I know that it takes every person in that group to make the weave. Like yes. you're not the only weaver no. in the group, but somehow you're like, I don't know how. So in basket making, there's always the starter circle. Mm-hmm. So you have to always, um, it always has to have a, a point of beginning, I suppose. Yeah. So and maybe that start that's... a circle then just disappears into the bigger thing so that you can't see it. But yeah, the start a circle is, is very, to get that right is very important. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. And it's lovely. Yes, it does feel like a gift. I mean, it feels like giving people a gift of that experience. But when you said that, the start a circle and then the thing grows from there and then it uh, disappears. I'll, I, I, yeah, I, we will finish in a moment, but it made me think that, yeah, when I'm making a big work that's about to be performed, there's this moment in or day or two days where I am kind of feeling like I've created, I've helped create this kind of ship and now it's got to go and sail. It's got to go away from me and, and it has to take off in its own right. And, uh, and I remember thinking, oh, I can't get it down the can't get it down the slipway I, I, I it's almost there I've got to push <laughs> it's almost there and it's not me doing it I'm kind of waiting for the moment that it's going to float uh, and that's usually when the audience comes in but I've got to know it will float just before they come in <laughs> and that moment of when it takes off and it's left you and it's got all its own agency and it's a living thing god I love that I love it when it just floats away from me and I can see it I'm not attached, you know, it's become theirs. It's Mm. all theirs. I love that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Still, that's probably where we should finish. Yeah. I'd like to go on all day. We can just stop, as Janine says, you don't finish. You know, the weave continues, but we'll just pause, I guess. Um, Thanks for talking to me. 
Oh, it was such a pleasure. The Satellizer Project is realised using funds from the National Lottery through Arts Council England, Bonnie Bird Choreography Fund and John Elliman Foundation through Continuous Network. Continuous is a partnership between Siobhan Davies Studios and Baltic Centre for Contemporary Art. You can find out more by visiting continuousdance.com. <laughs>